Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Megaport Limited 2022 Half-Year Results Release and Investor Briefing. We will begin with a presentation by the Megaport Management Team, followed by a Q&A session. During the Q&A, please click the Raise Hand button to be placed in the virtual queue. This feature can be found at the bottom of the Zoom interface. If you prefer to submit a question via text, select the Q&A button to submit your typed questions. Now over to the Megaport team. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, good evening to the uh, Megaport first half year results uh, for 2000 and uh, financial year FY22 uh, today on the 9th of February. Um, I'd like to take you through a set of slides in our presentation. I'm joined on this call by my uh, colleague, Sean uh, Caspi, our Chief Financial Officer, uh, who will be uh, sharing the presentation with me today. Um, starting with the company highlights for the first half of the year, 2022. The, um, a lot of these results have already been reported in the quarterly, but I think it's important that we go through them uh, in terms of where our business is at. Our monthly recurring revenue grew by 23% in the six months between the end of June from 7.5 million to 9.2 million, uh, up by 23% in the period. Um, and that's a significant number, even though some of our underlying services haven't grown at the same rate but it, it, it talks to and it speaks to a lot of the revenue that our customers are spending and the stickiness of our customers that we have in, in our base. Uh, annualized um, multiplying that by 12, it's 110.4 million, uh, up from the just under 19 million, again, same percentage, 23%. Uh, our customers have jumped up to just slightly under 2,500 customers, up 7% for the period in the six months. But more importantly, which contributes to the revenue, our total number of services are just uh, just short of 25,000, of 12% in the six months, as is the number of ports that our customers have acquired at just over 8,500, of 11%. And, and I think one of the most significant components, while still, um, still yet to come to full fruition in part of our product portfolio, the total number of MCRs in our business has grown to 603, up 20% in the six months. And this is really related to more and more businesses moving away from not just a single cloud provider, but a multi-cloud or a hybrid cloud solution. Um, and as you would have known from my conversations at the full year and in between, that the margins on some of our MCR and our MVE products are a lot higher because of the significance that, of the complexity that we're moving from the solution to help customers consume services. Uh, and this has contributed a lot towards our higher monthly recurring revenue and higher margins as we've gone through uh, the last six months uh, in the business. Um, other highlights, uh, we again continue to focus on cloud on ramps. We are still the largest global company today with over 240 cloud on ramps uh, connected to our network across all of the large cloud providers. Notwithstanding that, in the last six months, uh, seven months, if you take from the end of May until the end of December, we've added the top five SD-WAN providers uh, onto our network and integrated them in, which, uh, which accounts for over 70% of the total SD-WAN market across the 24 countries that we operate in. So again, Megaport is continuing to invest, strategically invest in the cloud on ramps and the partners that we have 
as well as the ecosystem and uh, value-added distributors and value-added and distributors in our network so that we can increase our addressable market with, um, uh, with our customers to get them the greatest reach. Uh, typically, uh, as we have done in every first half year for the last three years, we moderately increase our installed data centers. We've added six new ones to a total of 411. We typically do most of our investments in our data centers in the second half of the year, as we've done for the last two years. And again, we've, as we've said with cloud on ramps, we continue to increase the cloud regions up to 124. Again, the largest provider that has the most cloud regions globally today. Total number of enabled data centers, 768, uh, up increase of seven. Again, in line with the installed data centers as we continue to uh, focus on the second half of the year for our build out network and more about the first half of the year is about making sure we monetize, embed our partners and make sure that we make sure that we're helping uh, customers to get on board during the first half of the year. In terms of our revenue performance for the first half of 22, total revenue was 51.2 million, an increase of 42% or 15.2 million uh, for the six months. And nearly uh, just over half of that, or 26.6 million of that, has come from our largest market now, which uh, accounts uh, is North America, which is an increase of 9.4 of 55%, which now accounts for 52% of our total revenue and in the business and continues to increase. Um, Asia PAC uh, was up 20, uh, up 28%, uh, 15.8 or an increase of 3.5 million in the six months. But what we're really happy with, I suppose, most of all is even though Europe, our European business has grown 35%, up 8.8 million uh, for, the, uh, for the first six months. And really encouraging signs about where that's going for us in, in terms of our business over the next 12 months. I'm going to hand you over to Sean now, who's going to take you through the first half year results um, financially. Thanks, Danny. Good morning, everyone. Revenue for the six months ended 31 December 2021, $51.2 million, an increase of $15.2 million, or 42%, over the same period previous year. Profit after direct costs of $30.9 million, increased 69% over the comparable period, as our operating leverage continues to come through. Profit after direct cost margin at 60% is nine percentage points up on the same period, period previous year. Average direct network costs per data center have reduced year on year. Though a 7% increase in the number of installed data centers has meant that the, the direct network costs have increased 5% from 1H21. Partner commissions have increased in line or slightly ahead of revenue as we continue to grow the proportion of our business that comes through the indirect sales channel. <laughs> With our investment in scale up, scale out, operating costs have increased $11.3 million to $38.2 million. So this has been kept in line with top line growth. EBITDA losses of $7.3 million are 16% lower than prior year. And the EBITDA loss margin is showing an improvement of 10 percentage points. Depreciation and amortization has increased $2.7 million to $13.6 million, primarily because of the investment in our network and IP over the last year, notably with bringing the MVE platform to market. Non-operating items and tax are net positive, with unrealized FX gains in the period compared with losses in the comparable six months, 
This has contributed to net losses being trimmed by 47%. Uh, net losses for the period, 20.2 million in the period. Uh, revenue, as I mentioned, revenue for the period is 51.2 million. It's up 42%. But our monthly recurring revenue, or MRR, for December is 46% up compared to December 20. This indicates uh, an acceleration at the end of the period, and it's brought about by a combination of increasing customer numbers and growth in the average number of services per customer. All regions showed strong growth in revenue over the comparable period last year, APAC growing 28%, uh, EMEA growing 35%, and NAM performing actually growing 55% to 26.6 million. As many mentioned, NAM accounts now for more than 50% of our business. And our annualized revenues, uh, uh, based on the December MRR, now exceed 110 million. As we previously announced, we have invested in scaling our business, and this is manifest in the increase in our operating costs, notably in employee costs. Operating costs have increased $11.3 million, or 42%, in line with our revenue, with employee costs accounting for $8.1 million with this increase. We have built out the indirect sales channel team and we've hired additional support staff as our scale increases. Employee costs as a percentage of revenue, however, continue to fall despite the increase in headcount to 300, a number that includes the staff acquired in the Nova Wedge acquisition. Our professional fees have just increased in line with business. Our marketing and travel combined at $1.6 million are normalizing now after being much reduced throughout financial year 21. IT costs have increased $1.8 million to $1.6 million, largely because of a change in the accounting rules surrounding uh, software as a service arrangements. This is putting a little bit of EBITDA pressure on a business that didn't exist last year. General and administrative costs, which include office rentals, insurances, and other sundry items, have increased generally in line with the business. Non-operating items have moved from a cost of $18.8 million in 1H21 to income of $0.7 million in the current period, principally because of unrealized foreign exchange or foreign currency losses uh, from the strengthening of the Australian dollar last year, becoming unrealized foreign exchange gains this year as the US dollar recovers. Interest and other finance costs are imputed charges on our 0% vendor finance arrangements and the finance cost elements of operating leases, which we've capitalized under WASD 16. Other operating expenses include one-off professional fees relating to the acquisition of the Novo Edge. The fair tax charges, and the tax charges are, are arise in the recognition of some deferred tax liabilities on that acquisition, uh, plus some uh, employee share expense. This slide shows revenue and operating margins for the December month uh, historically. Notwithstanding the additional investment in the PL, as noted earlier, uh, as part of the scale up, scale out, our EBITDA loss margins in December 21 continue to narrow. This is the operating leverage coming through with increasing strong profit after direct cost margin, increasingly strong profit after direct cost margin, effectively our gross margin, which is up seven percentage points year on year. Current assets have decreased as cash reserves have reduced. Net cash burn in the period of $31.7 million includes $10 million for the Inova Wedge acquisition. Our trade debtors have increased about $1.7 million, largely in line with revenue. Though our day, our day sales outstanding has been reduced further by a, a day to 23. 
Non-current assets have increased following the acquisition and the preliminary valuation of the Nova Wedge, 21 billion. CapEx of $15 million and additional IP of $6 million accounts for the balance net of the depreciation and amortization charges. Total liabilities have increased in line with our business growth, with the increase in non-current liabilities largely due to increased utilization of our 0% vendor finance facility. Cash balances of $104.6 million mean the group is in a very strong financial position at the end of the period. And with that, I'll hand it back to Vinny for the business update. Thanks, Sean. Um, the chart on your left, uh, which again we've reported quarterly, the dark blue line shows or indicates the number of ports that we've added onto the network, which is still a key leading indicator for our business. But what's more significant and which is what's driven the 23% growth in our monthly recurring revenue is nearly a tripling effect from the 8,500 ports to nearly over 24,000 services that we have on our network, which is continuing to drive the monthly recurring revenue, which is what you see the very mirroring effect of that on the chart on your right-hand side, which shows the growth from 7.5 million at the end of June to the 9.2 million monthly recurring revenue at the end of December. Uh, we, don't, we don't expect this to continue. Uh, in terms of the first half year growth, um, like what I said, in terms of the ports up 11% and total services up 12, um, if you look at on your right-hand side, the monthly recurring revenue, as I said, is increased by 1.7 million or up 23% to 9.2 million in the six-month period. But not only has the monthly recurring revenue come from existing, uh, or sorry, new customers, also existing customer spends continue to increase for the average revenue support uh, has gone from 974 up to $1,074 up $100 uh, in, the, in the comparable six-month period. In terms of uh, Megaport Cloud Router, um, I think there's a couple, the next couple of slides are, are, are significant in terms of where we're going with the company and what we're trying to do, and this is more of a strategic nature. Um, but on the left-hand side, if you look at the average number of services per customer who is not using an MCR, an MCR which is 9.2, versus a customer who is using an MCR, which is at 14.4, but if you look at the comparable average revenue per customer, it's nearly double at 6.2 versus 3.3. And, and this is significant because as we talk about a rollout of our new products and overlaying them across our network, we get to abstract more complexity away from a customer solution so that it's easier for them to use these multi-cloud and hybrid cloud solutions and we get to charge or actually their customers have to actually look at a much higher premium for this highly valuable service. Uh, and so the number of services that we increase, and you can see from the chart uh, in front of you, uh, up from 543 to 603 in the six-month period, um, which represents a 20% growth rate, um, is effectively the future uh, future product set of where we're going uh, with, the, with this in terms of the next two to three years. So it's important from the point of view of, not, of what are we looking at, what's the customer doing? but not just what the customer is doing, but how do we help them solve that problem and solution? And at the same time, we get to effectively have a higher premium product that's being used or utilized on our network. 
Yeah, uh, approximately 13% of our customer base have at least one MCR. This is up 2.5 percentage points from a year ago, notwithstanding our customer base has grown 20% in that time. With 36% of our customer base and increasing using more than one cloud provider, there's still additional scope to extend this further throughout the customer base. And we see MCR as a very sticky product. Customers who use an MCR are putting more traffic across our network, and we know from experience that this means that they are less likely to churn. So with an uptick in monthly spend and a lower likelihood to churn, customers' lifetime value greatly increases when they take on an MCR. And though it's still early days for MPE, and numbers are still yet small, we are confident that this behavior that observed with MCR will also be seen with MPE. Uh, the customer numbers, uh, only more so. We're already seeing average monthly spend for an MCE customer greatly outstripping the traditional SDN only customer, and even that of an MCR customer. The number of services increased significantly too. I don't know if anyone wants to talk more about that. And again, I just draw your attention to the average service per customer for a non NVE customer is 9.2. And as Sean said, it's early days yet as we're bringing on more and more of these customers. And um, as uh, as Rodney and his uh, colleagues are rolling out um, a channel program and an ability to where we can sell to most of these customers, which are in more of an indirect fashion, it's gone from 9.2 up to 15.7. But again, I would draw your attention to the average monthly revenue per customer who's not using an MV at $3,300, it's jumped, it's nearly quadrupled up to nearly 11.1 in terms of the revenue per customer and the stickiness of that. And again, it's a little bit of a longer sales cycle, but uh, it's one of those things that you're actually building logistically a, a solution for a longevity solution for a customer in terms of how they're going to manage their business going forward from a connectivity point of view. Um, also want to point out that we've seen the first sales come through from our Cisco global price list in uh, in the early part of January. Um, uh, so we're really encouraged by that. Um, and again, a lot of the customers that we have, uh, even though we've only sold 40 uh, at the end of December, the key thing is that's what we've sold and built. We have a lot of other customers that are in proof of concept and working through that solution about what they need and how they're going to build out uh, their capability. Um, in other news, um, we announced uh, uh, early in, in our in during January, we announced that uh, with a partnership with Keo Networks, uh, the expansion into Mexico, which we will launch in March 2022, uh, we're going to four uh, four data centers in Mexico City and Cuauhtémoc. And both of, both the partnership with ourselves and Keo has been driven by uh, relationships with Microsoft and Google in terms of as they've expanded into uh, Latin America, um, and it's it's an important market strategically. Uh, Mexico accounts for 33% of all the overall cloud spent in in Latin America, so it, it's uh, it is one of the largest markets in in South America. And again, uh, along with our strategic relationships with our cloud partners, we've uh, we've collaborated with uh, Kio to make sure that uh, we're able to bring customers the services that, and the network services that we have. Um, in, in a full suite of our products and um, day one in March 2022. In terms of a channel update, um, you again, you would have heard me talk uh, and Rodney talk about this quite extensively back in uh, August when we released our full year results. Um, we've successfully managed to do something that most companies cannot do uh, or not do in a short period of time. 
We launched this back in May, June, uh, early June 2021, uh, and we've now completed a full world-class channel program uh, for Megaport uh, to help our indirect partners. Uh, and the, uh, most companies and most businesses take 18 to 20 months uh, to complete that. We've done six to seven months. Uh, why do we do it? It's about the ease of doing business. It's about enabling four to 5,000 resellers sell our products um, and drive customer success. But it's most importantly, it's, it's, most, it's about building a foundation, about growing our revenue. Um, and these are, these are the key foundation points as to why we pivoted from a direct selling model to an indirect selling model. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to stop doing the direct selling model. It just means that we're actually enabling our business to grow faster and quicker through a different avenue. In terms of the channel segmentation, uh, we were very focused before on providers and our marketplace, which is with our cloud providers. Now we've managed to enable three additional channels effectively uh, to help us to grow our business with agents and through our index channel, also through alliances with our, uh, not just our SD-WAN providers, but also other managed service providers, and also then through our distributors, which is a new app, complete new avenue for our business, which allows us to help us to sell solutions to more and more customers through uh, the top two uh, tiered uh, value-added distributors in Arrow and TD Senex, which we announced one in December and the other in, uh, in January. Uh, and again, the why is because this gives us an ad a target addressable market that's much wider than what we have been in before. And we're bedding in not just the investment in the people, uh, the channel, and how we're going to enable these markets, which is what we've done in the first half this year, so that in the next 12 to 18 months that we're able to benefit from this going forward. Uh, in terms of key partner wins, again, I would reiterate the point that we've done some things here that are so fast and uh, compared to what other businesses do, but we've had a lot of key logos in a lot of key markets in the regions, which we've enabled as part of the channel strategy to, uh, to help us to sell, to set us up for calendar year 22. And these are the partners who are now selling Megaport as network as a service, which they've never had as a product before, to help them to gain, not only for them to gain more revenue and their customers to get more business, but also to enable Megaport to do the same. Uh, in terms of uh, Megaport One, uh, which we again announced in January, Megaport One effectively is the full integration of Innova Edge, which we've again achieved. Uh, we announced the acquisition back in August 2021. Um, and and in all my 25 years working uh, in business, it's one of been the most successful acquisitions that I've ever been part of, not just in terms of the people involved, the, the smart and the software developers, but the speed of execution of what we're doing. It's going to enable Megaport to be, uh, it's taken us to the next level over 2022 and beyond. It's about connecting anything and controlling everything to one single pane of glass, it's about making sure that the customer, wherever they log on and how they manage their services, they're going to use Megaport, Megaport One as a single platform for allowing them to do that. And um, orchestrating all of their future capabilities. It's a network underlying, again, another product that overlays across a network as a service, which we've built over the last five years and we've invested in. And it enables people to future transform 
their IT capability using one platform, which is Megaport One. Um, the key features of this, which we talked about when we announced the acquisition, was about the discovery of where to find the cloud, where's the edge, where are GPUs and resources, where are the cloud, it's about provisioning services, one-click seamless provisioning, and the deployment of that, all of those virtual functions. Uh, it also has the ability, as I said before, the artificial intelligence understanding what's the future predictability of how my services are operating, my capacity, and what do I need to build so I can manage and, uh, and drive my business. Um, and it allows the customer not only to consume public cloud, whether it's inside in the data center or it's off premises. Um, so I think this is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really key feature for us in terms of what we've seen where that's gone from 2022 and beyond. Uh, who is this? Um, who benefits from Megaport One? Well, there's data center operators. Uh, it's a quite, uh, again, it's a white label uh, capability allows features to their customer. It's managed service providers who have lots of small uh, clients that they need to be able to manage anything, and they can actually use these services. And it's also for network service providers, which effectively are aligned to our virtual uh, network so that they can deliver these services as well. Um, in terms of, uh, there's probably a couple of things on this slide. Um, Megaport is the edge. We have virtualized the edge and we will continue to do so over the course of the next couple of years, whether it's through 5G, uh, security as a service, uh, our, our expansion into SD-WAN, uh, and as I mentioned with Megaport One, we're enabling the capability of our platform so that we are the future and we are the glue that brings connectivity together. And that's, that's important, both from a product uh, capability point of view, our network growth in terms of making sure that we've got not just more countries, but we've got the scale and the backbone uh, and the smarts behind our systems and our capacity so that we can support customers. We're going to continue to invest in growth. Uh, but most important, and also in our channel and our partnerships, but I think the most uh, key piece to take away from this is that we've been very clear about our plan. We've been very straightforward about what we wanted to do, not just in our first half of the year, and I think we've demonstrated that we've gone above and beyond in what our capability is to deliver in the first half of this year, but we are very focused on delivering our financial results for the second half of the year. Uh, and that's what we've said, and that's what we will, we're, we're planning to do. Um, uh, uh, but I think, um, as you will see, there's some other slides that are in the appendix, which you can read at your uh, leisure. It talks to the regional focus that we have and the gross margin or the profit after direct network cost plus the EBITDA margin in each of our markets. And I will call out this one particular case, which is in our APAC business, which is running at a 74% gross margin and now a 52% EBITDA margin. So we know that this business has got scale. We understand the model that we're working to. We're just focused on the execution part right now. And that's happened here on in from the second half of the year. Uh, I think that's the last slide of the presentation. So I had it back to the moderator for Q&A. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a verbal question, please select the raise hand button. If you prefer a typed question, please submit via the Q&A feature. 
Both of these options can be found at the bottom of the Zoom interface. We have limited question time, so please keep the questions to the point. And we have the first question from Jonathan Atkin at RBC. Um, th thanks very much. Um, so I was interested in just any incremental color that may not have been in the presentation or the release around um, kind of the financial outlook um, around revenues, EBITDA, any, any kind of qualitative color that you could kind of point out as we, as we sort of update our models. And then the second question was around the, uh, the MBE pipeline and uh, you quantified it at, at, I think, 202 MBEs. What can you share around the prospects for growing that pipeline further? Is it going to be a similar rate of growth or what sort of momentum are you um, expecting from that? And then the conversion of the existing pipeline, um, any kind of puts and takes to think about um, if these opportunities don't convert, um, you know, what would be some of the factors behind that and, and what's the um, kind of the early um, read there? Thanks. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. I'll, um, I'll probably answer the latter parts of those questions on MBE and then I'll let Sean kind of um, jump in on the financials. But um, we, we have uh, two to three times more MBE opportunities than what we're seeing as a conversion rate on the, uh, in the actual sales early. Uh, and that's a lot of it's got to do with proof of concepts. It's also we're just embedding in with our indirect channel, but also with um, we've announced a lot of those SD1 partnerships literally in the last two months of the quarter, right? So we're really just embedding them in. Um, and and again, that's that's something where we've we've uh, we've hired people to be in like someone's working with each one of those partners, um, and in terms of how we build it out. Uh, but a lot of customers right now are thinking about their SD1 solution and they're buying their SD1 services and their licenses. Um, and so we're in the beginning of the conversation with them. What we've done now is we've focused with uh, our SD1 partners and particularly with MBE on the um, customers that they've already bought the services and how do we help them expand our network. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's about accelerating that. And I think that's where we're focused on for the next six months. Um, as well as some, there's a longer sales cycle with some of the brand new customers who are rolling this out. Um, but, um, I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably where we're at, where we know that it's a little bit of a longer sales cycle. It's a more complex solution. Um, but it's also a more sticky solution. It's also a more valuable solution. Um, and, uh, and I think that's where. Uh, we've been focused in terms of the um, uh, the financials. Uh, Sean, did you want to you want to take that part of it, please? Uh, absolutely. Um, hi, Jonathan. Uh, we grew our revenue forty two percent in the first six months of the year, and as indicated, there seems to be a little bit of uh, an acceleration towards the end of that period, particularly as the indirect sales channel starts to to uh, have effect. So. Uh, you know, you can extrapolate it from there, but uh, uh, we don't normally give you know, specific guidance. I will say that while we have been running uh, quite fast to sign up partners in the indirect sales program, and, and quite a few logos were presented on the slide earlier, you know, there is still a little bit of a lead time associated with them in terms of onboarding them and training them about our products and how to sell our products and, 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 and getting activation going. Um, so it is, uh, that's building momentum is not immediate, um, but it, it will be there in the second half of the year. Uh, in terms of EBITDA, 
Um, we did highlight that we would be investing in the P&L, and most of that investment will be done in, in the first half of the year. That is done. We have scaled up our business. Um, we don't expect to be incurring that, that. That that expenditure is done now. We won't be increasing that, uh, except perhaps supporting that uh, indirect sales channel growth with a few marketing dollars. Um, we have kind of guided that we expect to be break-even EBITDA for the year uh, as a whole. Um, and while there are a few EBITDA pressures coming on that we, we didn't expect or, or we didn't initially plan on following the acquisition of Anubo Edge and uh, changing accounting rules around SaaS arrangements, you know, we're still guiding we'll, we'll, we'll get very close to that figure, which would be a significant improvement over FY21. Thank you. Thank you. We have the next question from Suraj Ahmed at City. Thanks. Um, I'll just ask three questions. Um, the first thing I'm asking, and then uh, the first thing, Winnie, just just on the pipeline number, can I just clarify um, the 202 that you mentioned? What's the mix between direct and indirect for the partners in there? And sec and on that, um, just confirming that, given given the first half the conversion rates were slow, uh, you're saying this is 202 for the second half. So you're assuming a far a decent conversion rate from this. Uh, it's a latter part of the question, yes, because there is a longer lead time. So having these conversations now and having proof of concepts in place now means that you get a higher conversion rate over uh, a bit. Like we've been only at this for three or four months, right, and bringing on all these providers. Uh, so, um, you know, the second half of the year is where we always said this is where this was going to be an important factor for us. Um, um, a lot of these companies are not small. They're large multinational global companies right so the solutions that we're putting together with them are not simple right and they have to work through the logistics of putting that together and we're helping them with that and hence the proof of concept model of how we seed mbes out there is, is really important and, and and i think that's what we're that's what we're seeing now i, I will say this of the 200 uh, and odd uh, mb instances that we have the majority of those up to this point in time have come from megaport Right, megaport customers or megaport-led sales initiatives. Uh, the partners that we have, that's where we're expecting and that's where we're onboarding with them through the partner planet, the partner uh, vantage program, plus the, uh, the, um, uh, those, those resellers. So most of those SD1 providers, 80 or 90% of their business is done indirect and we're using the same partners that they're using. So. We're having those conversations on our pipelines with them, which are going to contribute significantly to 2022 and beyond. Um, but the initial bulk of the customers that we've got have been initiated more from our direct side and our megaport side of the business. Thanks, Winnie. One more for you, Winnie, and then one for Sean. Um, and so, uh, exploring MBE, just, just keen to get some color on how th the third quarter is tracking, Winnie. Um, the first yeah. half was a bit up and down. How are you looking in terms of ports and things like that? Yeah, we're going really well. Um, we uh, just, just we, okay, so we're, where are we at? We're at the 8th of February, um, whatever. So within one month and one week uh, of this quarter, we're already over 50% of what we did in quarter two, right? So, you know, we've, and typically our quarter three and quarter four have been. Uh, quite strong in terms of uh, businesses picking up and coming into the new financial year. And and as I kind of outlined on numerous occasions, 
uh, new businesses, new plans, new budgets, and um, people are, are coming into it um, trying to get these projects up and running up. And I think that's I, I, that's what we're seeing right now. So we're we're just over fifty percent in one week and one month of what we were in quarter two. So I think we're we're in good shape. Got it. Uh, and is that MRR or ports? When you just clarifying, can you say more than fifty percent? It's all the services MRR. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, just one last one for Sean. Uh, Sean, can you just clarify your comment on full-year EBITDA break-even? Um, I mean, I, so your OPEX was around the, was 38 million in the first half. So if you analyze that, that's 76 million. Um, just struggling to see how you get to EBITDA break-even. Were there some one-offs in that first half OPEX? There were some one-offs in the first half OPEX. When I mentioned the, the uh, uh, OPEX associated with with uh, kind of setting up some of the indirect sales channels, uh, and there were uh, a few other things. But uh, the 38 million is 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 close to our run rate. But you know, I I expect you know uh, some uptake in, in sales momentum, and as you see, our, our profit after direct costs is improving. Um, all the time as well, so the uh, contribution from our revenue is, is, should uh, start to cover uh, the OPEX costs. Right. Thank you. I'll jump back into the queue. Thank you. We have the next question from Tim Plum at UBS. Right, Tim, please feel free to go ahead and unmute yourself. Sorry, guys. Apologies. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. How are you? Good. Sorry about that. Um, a couple of my questions have been asked. I'll just keep it to, to, to one or two. But um, Vinny, you mentioned the pipeline of, of port opportunities. Can you talk at all or give a little bit more colour in terms of the initial signs that you're seeing through that indirect sales channel? Um, obviously, um, early days in terms of the new platform that's been implemented, but, you know, how do we think about that gaining traction and, and are we seeing any benefits of that in this quarter or is it is it kind of too early um, to see that? Uh, it's it's uh, timid starting, right? So it's like everything else. So, you know, when uh, a global provider and our two or three top uh, global providers that we've brought on, there's a certain amount of onboarding needs to be done, education around how to sell, what Megaport does as part of the solution, etc. So uh, we've, We've been focused on that quite a lot um, in the last month or two. Uh, I think we'll see early traction on that in this quarter three, but it's definitely going to be towards uh, quarter four and the rest of uh, 2022 where we'll really see this thing kick off um, in terms of the indirect selling motion and enabling those partners. A lot of this has been about education, uh, making sure that they understand what they're selling, we know what we sell because we've been doing it for five or six years, right? But it's making sure that other partners of ours understand the value proposition, the solution, uh, and the key dynamics around what they're selling. Uh, and then, and that's part of the Vantage program and the tools that we set up as part of that, which is around the education, the pricing, um, the solution selling, what's the customer use case that we're pitching to, um, and making sure we had all of that lined up. And, and I think we've got that there. It's just a scaling matter right now where we're just trying to make sure that, uh, you know, our two or three people that are working with some of these partners are having to deal with three and 4,000 resellers, right? That's that's the scale of what we're talking about. Um, and it's got to be done in, in a very efficient manner. 
Um, so, you know, one of the things I didn't mention on the on the call, which I'll, I'll say now, is that post earnings at the end of February, we're going to do a product um, a product and innovation roadmap for the next two to two to three years. I'm certainly starting out about where we believe and where things should be about the edge and our products and where we're setting our foot forward, but also a lot of demonstrations, not just from our cloud providers, but some of our SDN providers and about how our solution works and what is the solution that we're selling for. Uh, and we, we, we'll, we'll be announcing something about that in, in due course over the next week or two with post earnings, probably somewhere around early to mid-March. Uh, we we will do that and take everybody across it, and I think that will give everybody a an understanding or um, a better appreciation of where this is going and how big this is. Got it. And and then just the second question around the MVE. Um, obviously, still early days um, and learning that business model, etc. But when you look at the sales cycle as it stands today, and obviously that that varies depending on how complex the customer is. How do you think about the time between those initial discussions to proof of concept to actually doing the hard sale? Um, yeah, look, I mean, that same question could be asked about ports and VXEs, right? And I used to always say it's kind of like a 90-day sales cycle, you know, depending on people. But I think that got kind of blown out of the water a bit because we've had, four, we've had big customers just come in and just turn up services with very little touch or very little involvement. Uh, and then we've also had some reasonably medium size or smaller customers and they've taken 120 days to more to get across right so it's a mixed bag uh, depending on what they're trying to do or what they're trying to solve for i think what's accelerated a lot of this is been um i'm not going to say it's COVID, but i'm going to say i think a lot of things have with it transformation a lot of things have accelerated the board and uh, uh business owners their view about their IT transformation and the need to speed that process up so that they're not going to, no one gets caught with a business um, disruption. And um, I think that's what we've seen and that's what we're hearing from our customers. So I think there is this inherent acceleration. So I'm not really sure, Tim, if I can say it's 90 days or 120 days or whatever the number is, but I do know if there is an acceleration and an anticipation to try and provide solutions that wasn't there before and trying to do it as quickly and uh, as efficiently as possible. Uh, but um, I, I would say it's, it's outside of a normal port and DXC sale, I'd say it's definitely a quarter out, right? That's what you're looking at, right? You know, you're, you're dealing with that 90 to 120 days. The first thing you have to do is buy hardware. The second thing you have to do is to buy licenses. And then the third thing you need to do is get an MBE. So if you haven't got the licenses in the hardware, you know, we don't, it doesn't it doesn't happen so there's uh, so customers who've already got licensing hardware are easier targets to address initially and um, which is what we're doing and um, but um, as you're looking at customers who are in the middle of a decision process about building a global or building their own sd1 network they have to buy the equipment and they have to buy um the software and then they have to get the mb right and so that's a little bit of a longer slog than say someone who's already got that in place and they want to expand their network because they've already got the licenses and they've already got the hardware. If that makes sense. Got it. Thanks guys. Thank you. We have the next question from Nick Harris at Morgan's. Uh, hi everyone. Thanks for your time and the questions. Um, 
I guess like everyone here, I'm just keen to understand a little bit more about um, growth in the channel partners. So obviously you achieved a huge amount in the last six months and seriously impressive partners there. Um, I think you mentioned Cisco selling, but I think that you said somewhere 22 partners. I was just keen to get a feel. So question one, how many of those partners are actually selling something now? Um, question two was just around Megaport one. That looks like a really smart way to simplify what is a complex solution. Did you sort of design that? Were you sort of pulled into that design by the distributors or value-added resellers because it would make their life easier? And therefore, should it be a reasonably short sales cycle? Um, or is that a medium-term product that you talk about in your, you know, your roadmap in a couple of months? Um, and then just the last one was with the channel. Can you just remind us what your definition of success would be if we looked forward sort of six months or and medium term? Thank you. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Lots of hard questions there. Um, okay, the the middle one, right? I'll start with the the, the one in the middle, which is about uh, the Innova Edge and the proposition there, right? So again, that's uh, very targeted towards either network service providers and um, maybe some high end enterprise customers, definitely data center operators and managed service providers, right? That's where the target audience is for that. And um, to make that happen, um, when when we uh, when we were in discussions with the guys and we decided to buy the business, we were looking for them to help us to accelerate or enable some of our white labeling capability because we were trying to grow so much. Um, and uh, it became very apparent when we were both talking to each other that there was a high synergy between our two businesses, and hence we just jumped on it and. Um, we invested in in Overage. Um, I, I right now uh, they've they've already part of the earn out clauses and everything that we've agreed as part of the contract. They are already six to four to six months ahead of themselves. Right, that's how fast they're operating. And and um, what that what that does for us is that that Megaport one that acceleration and re, rebranding of that uh, has helped us. To have some serious conversations with some um, uh, some key customers about how we can enable them to sell more and, and be more productive, and I think that's uh, that's something I probably would have thought was a year down the road, but it's actually been six or seven months, right? So that's how fast it's happened. Uh, we're we're incredibly excited about uh, with the capability of where that's going and what it can do for us uh, with the team. Uh, if you recall from the full year results, I said they were a wicked smart bunch of people, and I'm, and I'm not mistaken by that. And I've, it's been proven out from what we're doing and where we're seeing with that. Um, and I think adding, this is a real case when you add two and two and you get 16 uh, in terms of our software development and our network capability and our functionality and what we can offer to customers as part of a product offering. Um, that's uh, that's that's what it means to us. Now, where is it? It's just starting, right? I mean, these guys, like I said, they're, they're four or five months ahead of themselves. Um, and, and they're working very closely with everybody in the company and we're all, all fully integrated. And it's going to take just a little bit more before we see the revenue. But we were at the Pacific Telecoms conference in PTC in Hawaii in January, which is the single biggest conference in our, um, in our circle. And we haven't been there for two years. Uh, and it was hugely, um, hugely, very, everybody was very receptive and um, I need to see more about Megaport One and how do I get this and what's a, what, what it can do for me. So 
I think we're just starting out, Nick, on that one. I can't give you a prediction right now. I think we're starting out and that we're in the middle of a lot of conversations uh, with some, uh, some key people about what I can do for them and how we can enable them to sell more and do more. So um, probably more of a question for and our finance, end of our financial year in August. Uh, what was the, what was the other part? Sean, did you want to jump in on one of those there? I can... uh, yeah, the next one was just the 22 partners are a big chunk selling or a small chunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, again, same thing, right? So I, I'm not trying to dodge anything here. I'm just being very clear with everybody. Rodney and the team and everybody here has done a tremendous job to try and get us what we've done in six or seven months has been phenomenal, right? And 22 partners in that same period and a channel program and a channel team and a, 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 the, the capability of how we can support them to do that has been done in six months, right? I think we've always said this, that the 2022 was always about, okay, let's get it all done before Christmas so that we've got the capability to go and sell this in the 2022, right? And I, mean, I haven't changed my view on that. I haven't changed my commentary on it. Uh, it's it's been fairly clear. Uh, I think this is something that you, it's going to kick off in 2022. But we had to put all the fundamentals and the building blocks in place during to the second half of 2021, so that it will put us in a position so that we can move forward. And and that's and that's what we've done. Yeah, I'd just like to say uh, we are are seeing a, a few uh, a lot of these resellers starting to uptake. We've seen a faster uptake in Europe than we have elsewhere, and we always have said that Europe is a natural home to this type of selling, where, where customers will go to uh, kind of managed service providers to, for their solutions, and that's certainly been uh, for early adoption seems to be the case. And and you have seen in the Q2 results, Nick, where we kind of split out our MRR between uh, uh, direct and indirect. And, and for the first quarter in, in year four, looking back, you've, you've started to see that up, up, pick up a little bit. And, uh, for me, that's that's a, a, an indication of the snowball just starting to roll down the, the side of the mountain. And, uh, you know, we'll, we will see. I did say there is a little bit of a lead time to, to educate these guys to, to sell our products. And, and you now we're taking a lot in one go. There's a bit of effort to start all these light leads uh, running, but uh, you know, we will start to see that momentum build to the Q3. Thanks, Sean. Vinny, that's great. Thank you. We have the next question from Kane Hannon at Goldman Sachs. Hey guys, just a couple from me as well, please. Um, firstly, just switch to wedge that 11,000 bucks per customer you were talking to. I think that doubled on the 5,000 you reported in August. Now, I know it's obviously a small sample, but if I'm just keen to understand what's driven that growth, whether that's mix, you know, incremental services from existing customers. I suppose where that where you see that settling over time as you get more and more people onto the edge product. Um, look, I, again, I let Sean jump in here, but at the end of the uh, the last time we did the full year results and we talked about uh, that doubling impact, we'd only just been selling that product for a month, right? So we didn't have a full period of time where you saw that revenue. I think you're looking at the the number now, with not just with the number of customers that we have in MBE. Um, uh, and I think we've also got a lot of proof of concepts, which we don't charge for. So they're all in the mix. We don't count them in, in the numbers for what we're doing, and that's our future pipeline to grow this. But uh, I think I think the, 
the previous period and the number we talked about going from five point was it seven or eight up to eleven point four. And the difference here is that was that that was like one and a half months selling in a quarter versus or a period versus what we're looking at in six months. So I think you're looking to you're starting to naturalize or see what the true numbers come through in this half year. Um, but notwithstanding that, we haven't added enough customers in yet, so you haven't really seen the true impact of that. And I think this is in its infancy, um, to be honest. Um, maybe, Sean, did you want to add a bit? Yeah, I completely agree. So, uh, when we showed the slide of the full year, like Benny says, it's only been operating for uh, less than a, a full quarter, and there were discounts given, uh, proof of concept, uh, reduced pricing uh, that were happening there, plus now, many companies didn't have time to turn up all the services that they were ever going to turn up on their MBE. A lot of those proof of concepts have now turned into commercial relationships, and they're becoming, you know, a, a much more viable proposition for us. Um, when we showed the slide, it was only intended to kind of help people get their head around how, how we're going to be then, or uh, highlighting this, so to help people with modeling and, and see how the, the, the product uh, fits in with the portfolio. And we always expect that, that number to go up. Um, whether it stays at around 11,000 at the minute, we have a lot of our customers are uh, existing FD1 customers who are motivated purchasers that are very large companies as well. So as this becomes a little bit more ubiquitous and smaller enterprises start to take on, you might see a little bit of a dilution in, in that number going forward. But uh, we certainly expect it to be much closer to the 11 than 5% of the August. And more volume, and more volume. More volume. Yeah. And then just a couple of on the geo revenue trends. You'll see some pretty healthy APAC numbers in the half. You know, was there much of a step up from Japan in there? I suppose what drove that improving trend? And then Europe, you know, you continue to be pretty positive on the opportunity over there. But those growth rates are bouncing around quite a bit quarter on quarter. So I was just interested in what's driving volatility. Is that just the scale of the revenue number over there that you know means that incremental contracts you know has a much bigger impact? Um, look, Japan is improving, right? I, I'll, I'll, uh, two markets that are really, there's probably three markets that are kind of key to us that we've, uh, the old saying that the uh, rising tide lifts all boats, uh, Japan, Canada, and France, which we went into. So France and Canada are extremely close. They weren't across the line fully, even a positive in December, but they are in January. Um, Japan is a little bit to go. We've got another month or two. It's in complete lockdown since, as everybody knows, so uh, that that market is something that uh, both uh, Sean and I and Rodney have been, you know, really focused on trying to get there and visit them. It's it's a relationship type business, particularly around the channel, and we want to involve around that. But uh, the market is kind of locked down, so it is a little bit behind where we want. But it's not driving the overall APAC number. Everybody is contributing. Um, the, the Australian business, New Zealand business, Singapore and Hong Kong business have been thriving. Um, uh, and what it does is it proves that we haven't added that many sites in those markets or added that much extra investment into those markets outside of Japan uh, in the last uh, in the short last short while. But now all of a sudden we're seeing that they're now at 51% EBITDA or 52%, whatever the number is, right? So when Japan does turn profitable over the course of the next six months, which it will, then that number is going to increase because it's it's dragging it back now a little bit just because of the investment and the time and the effort to go there. So as revenue increases, it'll it'll rectify itself. In terms of Europe, uh, like I said, with uh, some of the key markets there, 
one of the things that we identified, and rightly or wrongly, with our model where we were trying to focus on being a director, data center operator, um, kind of focused solution selling, um, the channel works, right? And Rodney's hired some really key people in both Germany and France and, and the UK uh, and uh, uh, in Scandinavia to help us grow our business. And we're already seeing the fruits of that. So I'm really excited about the European business. It, it needed a, a refresh. It needed something different. And um, and, and it's, it is the, in the indirect model and the channel model, that's where most of the business is done in Europe. And, uh, and we just, rightly or wrongly, we maybe caught into it a bit later than we should have, but we've gone into it now. And we're starting to see those things come through uh, into fruition. And, 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 and I think that's where you're seeing the, the growth in Europe. And I think that's going to continue, notwithstanding any FX translation um, on, on revenue and, and on business. But um, I, um, you know, when you, when you think about the map and you think about North America and the geographic prints of North America, and it's massive. I and mean, if you look at Europe as a whole, it's the same footprint, right? So it's a question of, but it's very much different countries and very different relationships and very different ways of doing business so uh, we've had to break it down a lot more to get to that point where we're able to to, to figure it out and, I, and I, I think i truly believe we're kind of on the right track in terms of making that happen and um, i'm not sure if that fully answered your question uh, and but one more thing came as well i think of all our regions europe was probably most impacted by COVID than any others where our sales teams couldn't cross yeah. international borders for uh, in addition to that as we we're coming out and, and our guys were able to start traveling again in addition to the the uh well, we know this market is, is right for the indirect sales channel we've done a lot of work in kind of localizing our marketing materials and localizing our portals and stuff to help sell into the individual markets it's not like the united states where everything needs to be done in english so uh that's also helped with the, the sales momentum within, within Europe as well. Thank you. We have the next question from Bob Chen at JP Morgan. Hey guys, uh, just a few quick ones for me. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of investment in getting this uh, partner channel online. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, how much visibility? Uh, you have into um, that sort of pipeline that comes through that uh, indirect sales channel. <laughs> um, a little, a little bit. <laughs> um, the uh, Bob, the the key question here is that we're the the true the twenty two partners that we brought on as part of the channel program are the ones who are going to enable us and help us to sell the fastest and the quickest, as opposed to going direct to. A Microsoft or a Google or a Cisco or a VMware, right? Because they've got lots of partners. So we've been focused on working on the downstream side of things where they sell the most so that we can be the most active about how we sell that. Um, and Robbie's been very, very smart about that and he's been very articulate about how we do that. And I think that's important. It's like, how do we help them to sell more? And um, as opposed to what the pipeline looks directly from the big guys, right? And um, and that that can be very sensitive, right? Because you know they they've got lots of partners, lots of different um, people they work with, and they don't they they will share certain things over time. But right now, you know, this is it's been, and that's why we went towards the channel program. That's why we went with the partners. That's why we integrate with all that so that we could make it easier for them to sell. 
and that's where the conversation and so basically leads are being handed off to partners who are, we are working with those partners to help to deliver that lead so yes we do have it downstream but not upstream and there's a big difference and that's uh, you know it's, it's it's competitive in nature and it's also very sensitive right and um, I, I think everybody would appreciate what i'm trying to get to Okay, perfect. Um, and then just uh, in terms of um, the sort of uh, rollout of the Megaport network, um, you sort of, uh, sort of alluded to a bigger ramp up in that sort of second half. I mean, what, what can we sort of expect in that second half? I see that. Uh, I think I think we're going to uh, again, Sean, keep me correct here, but I, I, you know, we're we're aiming for what we plan to, which is about forty additional. Uh, sites 42 maybe kind of additional sites over the uh, the fiscal year and I know, I know we've only done like a, a handful um, in the first half which we typically do but there's a, there's a bit of a strong pipeline for the second half of the year in terms of what we need to do there. You also have to remember we rolled out in the partner advantage program uh, hired up a whole bunch of indirect people in China right so there's only so many things you can do really well uh, you can't just keep throwing more sites on top of it and then not be able to sell into the sites because that would be, well, it wouldn't be a good investment opportunity in terms of time, money and effort, right? So that's why we've always focused on anything new we were doing, we were doing it quick and fast in the first half of our financial year. And traditionally, everything else that we did do, we would focus on in the second half year. But I, I, like, I think, Sean, it's about that 40-odd number. Um, for 40, 40, 40 includes Mexico, yeah. So about 35 or so, uh, excluding Mexico. And yes, you're right. And there are other things going on. We're increasing capacity. We're increasing our MBE capacity. We're building a 400 big backbone as well. So it's not just about extending our reach. And I, I believe we're already at scale. And what we're doing on the DC network now is kind of influencing some of the European markets. Uh, and then we're kind of granularizing the edge of our network in in, in uh, America, which will uh, kind of help MBE sales so, so people will have shorter hops across public internet. Um, but, you know, we, we're well beyond, because we have a reach scale now, we're well beyond the stage where uh, new DCs are leading indicators for, for revenue growth. You know, SD1 takes us outside the DC. Thank you. We have the next question from Lucy Huang at Bank of America. Hey, thanks, um, Benny and Sean, for taking questions. I just had on two quick ones as well. So just starting to get some colour on the um, first um, Cisco MBE sale through the global price list. Maybe you can give us some colour around um, the size of the deal. Um, you know, is the end customer an existing megaport customer? Um, and how long it took um, Cisco to land that sale. Um, and then secondly, just interested, I know it's still early days for MBE um, customers, but with the ones that are currently being built, are we seeing any um, cross-sell or upsell capability into the rest of the Megaport business through those customers? Thanks. Uh, thanks, Lucy. Uh, I'll probably start with the second half of that question. Um, uh, I think I touched on this earlier on. Um, most of the NDE opportunities at this point in time have come through um, Megaport uh, sales-led initiatives, um, either through existing customers or conversations we have had with customers about NDE and the capability of SD-WAN through one of our partners, uh, SD-WAN partners. Um, that's probably been the lion's share of what we've seen so far, right? So we've been focused on now how do we enable those other uh, partners on our channel program to to sell more of uh, of their the 
those new customers, right? But for the want of a better word. Um, the, the, uh, the customer that we've seen come through Cisco um, has been a joint lead customer. So uh, it's been a Cisco customer for a long time. It's a Fortune 500 company. Um, and um, it's, uh, the proof of concept was very successful. Um, it's a, uh, and, and basically what's happened is that they've now expanded out that proof of concept uh, and it, it's only starting out um, as part of that proof of concept in a certain area and it will continue to grow and expand uh, over time. So um, it's not, uh, it wasn't an existing customer, it was someone that was in our opportunity or a funnel or a our, our pipeline. Um, and then there were also a customer uh, already an existing customer of uh, of Cisco. So um, that was a real question of two and two equals four or five or six, whatever number you want to pick. But that's that's how that hall came out and, and where we did. And it was a very successful proof of concept and we're building it out. Um, and, and it is on the higher end, in case anybody asks me, it is on the higher end of the 15, 16, 17,000 MRR, not 11. Right, so it's a, it's a large company, and as they continue to grow their footprint um, and expand, uh, which is all built on um, the success of the product and what it can do and how it can do it, uh, that that will continue to grow over time. Thank you. Thank you. We have the next question from Way Sim at Macquarie. Hi, Vinny. Hi, Sean. Thanks for taking my question. Um, just a couple. The first one is just in regards to the uh, the cash flow uh, for uh, payments for PPNE. Um, it kind of doubled versus last year. I'm just wondering what, what drove this um, and any um, guidance for CapEx going forward. Um, the other question is just in regards to uh, Megaport 1, if you could just give us a bit more color on um, perhaps our aspirations behind this, you know, where do we see the revenue contribution coming through versus uh, our base product, um, you know, maybe over the medium term? And um, also just to better understand that, you know, how we think about the sales motion for this product, is this um, something which uh, is more ancillary to um, our existing products or we're looking at um, really selling it as a, as a separate product? Thanks. And Sean, do you want to take the first part? On the yeah, I, there was a little bit of acceleration in the first half of, uh, um, PP&E purchases um, as we're getting ahead of kind of supply chain issues and, uh, with the silicon and stuff and where we've been buying boxes and I've been stocking cap with uh, um, to, to some extent uh, as part of the expansion and we make sure we have um, uh, inventory available uh, to build capacity and continue to build capacity in our network. Um, so yes, it, it might look accelerated first half, but first half and full year uh, will be higher than last year, but only marginally. So uh, um, we've been guiding, I think we were guiding 30 to 35 is going to be the higher end of that, plus the acquisition on top of that. Yeah, and in, in terms of the um, the other part of your question um, with, uh, with MBE and um, Look, it's it's one of the things that we've been we've been very focused on um, is just making sure that we get everything in place and get everything right so that um, we can look at 2022 and move forward and at pace and acceleration. And I think that's kind of where we've uh, we've been very much focused in the first half of this year. 
uh, about how we're setting ourselves up, getting the right people in place, the right processes, the right um, right capabilities so that we can scale this business properly. And, um, um, sorry, Vinny. Uh, sorry, um, I was actually asking in regards to Megaport One, Innova Edge, um, not 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 MVE. Right, but I was yeah. Sorry, okay, I was sorry. Get, I, I was I was just leading into that, right? So that they, these are all connected. That's why I'm trying to lead into it, right? So Megaport One is you know when you think about what we've done with MCRs, now we've done with MVE, and as we're building over our core products, which is our platform, our network as a service, which is all the 24 countries to 240 cloud on ramps. Now we're connecting more buildings and more locations with branches through SD WAN. And now all of a sudden we're adding a future capability, which is a platform that will fit across everything that will allow your IT specialist in your business to manage all of these assets and all this infrastructure in a seamless way, right? And provision services and actually plan and program things as they want. So all we've been doing when we started out with this business is layering it. Now who we pitch this product to? I, it's, on, it's in the slide deck. Yes, there's some data center operators who may want a white label product. There's some network service providers, uh, it could be fiber service providers, or it could be whatever. They're looking to actually add cloud capability, have a single platform, white label that, and add it to something that they want to use. It's also for managed service providers that actually want to be able to sell it downstream to their customers. And it looks and feels like it's their product, but in underlying it's Megaport. So, We've kind of, two things that we've done with our strategy is we've moved outwards geographically in terms of our footprint, in terms of countries and data centers. We've, we've actually outwardly even moved further by adding SD1 capabilities. So we're actually, our geographic footprint has gone along. MCR, and uh, we started out with ports and VXCs. We moved up with MCRs layer two, and now we've added on the MVE capability, so we're moving, we're moving more complexity as we go along, and now we're putting a platform on top of it all that allows customers to orchestrate everything, right? And that's where the smarts are. This is where the capability is in the company. It's not. It's about the software and, and our network combined that allows us to drive that. And so they're not going to be as many enterprise customers driving um, Megaport One, but there will be large multinational either network service providers or data center operators who will be using it. And they will then be contacting or connecting to enterprise customers. And I hope that answers your question. Yes, that's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. We have the next question from Roger Samuel at Jeffries. Oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah right. Sorry, I just got uh, good. Thanks. Um, I've got two questions. First one, um, just with indirect uh, uh, sales channel, um, it looks like it, it, it that, that it's taking uh, quite a long time to ramp up, and I'm just wondering if you can share with us. Um, any pushback or hurdle from the channel partners. Um, and the second question that I've got is um, just on MBE and SD-WAN, um, you know, most of the telcos that we look at um, are starting to offer SD-WAN services um, in partnership with your SD-WAN partners as well. And I'm just wondering if that trend 
um, is positive or negative uh, for your company. Um, uh, well, okay. The, the first part of that question, um, Roger, is um, it's like I said to you, uh, there is a slightly different sales cycle to this one than our typical products, right? Because you have to buy hardware and you have to buy the software and then you buy the MVE, right? To roll out your global solution, right? Um, so I, there is a little bit more to that. And I think also with the channel partners that we have, we've had to make sure that we've educated them rightly. Like you've got to sell smart and sell efficiently. Um, and making sure that we're giving them the right toolkit, we're building out the partner advantage program, we're making sure that we enable them to be successful selling. And that's what we've focused on. And the first half of this year was getting that done. And I'm making sure that that was something that we could succeed on in 2022 and beyond, right? And so probably has been a, a little bit, and maybe a little bit slower than you thought, but I mean, you know, if I was to hire 4,000 people tomorrow morning, it would take me the same amount of time to educate them about selling their product as it would be to hire and educate the channel to sell for, to get 4,000 people to sell our product. We still have to go through the same process. And um, so I think, I think that's where, um, I think that's where we're, we're, we've been focused on, make sure we get it right and get it right first time with, our sales toolkit, our education, our training, and putting our partnerships together so that they're successful selling. That's what we're, we've been focused on. And in terms of MBE, um, you know, um, that, that's been the, the, the issue. The, the, there's no, there hasn't been really an issue around MBE. It's just been more around how do you, again, same thing, how do you enable customers to sell? Um, or our sorry, partners to sell to customers. I think that's been the core part of what we've been trying to focus on and get right. Um, we get that right at the beginning and it, it helps itself go forward. Um, what was the first part, sorry, uh, the first part of your question? Oh no, just regarding the telcos, um, they're starting to sell yeah. services as well. And I'm just wondering what's the impact on none. the ports. Yep. None, none, right. Let me, let me just set this straight for everybody. Everybody is a partner of AWS, Microsoft, Google, and the cloud guys. Everybody's a partner of Cisco, VMware, and all the rest of it. The only difference that we've done is we've actually integrated with them. Everybody else is just a partner. That means you have to go through a paper exercise, you've got through a manual exercise, you still have to write orders, and you have to go through all that stuff. We're a software and a network company. We integrate with people. We don't just do manual. So that's the difference. Right, we've made this easier. We're making it seamless, and we're making it easier for the customer to actually consume the services and helping the SD WAN providers faster and quicker to make more sales. That's all they're interested in, and that's what we've done. And that's why we're a preferred partner. And that's the difference. Here, the next question comes from Paul Mason at Evans and Partners. Hey guys, I'll uh, have to put my hand up earlier in the call in the future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey Paul. 
Um, just a couple from me. Um, so the first one, just a clarifying question. In, in terms of the 202 opportunities, is that that's number of customers or is that number of MVE devices that you're um, that are in your pipeline? No, no, that's customers. Great. No, okay. Thank you. Um, and the second one's um, sort of a longer term question, maybe for Sean, uh, maybe for Vinny, about um, cost planning and investment planning, because you, you guys have been pretty clear on um, planning to have an EBITDA break-even point. Um, in terms of once you hit these sort of milestones, like EBITDA break-even or a cash flow break-even after that, like are you planning to like use those as points where your margins just keep growing, or are you going to sort of think about after getting to that point where you're not as reliant on capital markets or something like that, that you'll you'll go hard on reinvestment instead of letting the margin run. What's the what's the sort of the general vision of how that plays out? Um, uh, I'll I'll let Sean jump in a minute. Right now, um, Paul, uh, we're just focused on our objectives of prove out the model, make the margins, get the revenue prove out the EBITDA and then, you know, that's kind of like next year's question, to be honest. That's where I'm looking at. I Do I look at down three or four years? I think I think everybody's looking at us to try and make sure that we get them the outcome and prove out the model that we've done. Um, and I think that's been the focus. Um, there's no reason why this thing would slow down or go any other way except continue. The question is, we ha we're, we're a technology company. We have to keep reinvesting in the business. When you're profitable and your break even and your cash flow is sustainable, then you can do that faster and quicker, right? It's just it's just about what you want to do. I think you know we we kind of set ourselves a two or three year program, uh, and we're coming into the back end of that cycle right now, where we want to make sure that we actually turn out uh, FY22 and, and calendar 22 where we're cash flow positive and uh, EBITDA and we're turning out the revenues and we spun out the new products, and that's where we keep reinvesting it. Um, it's probably a bit early. Uh, like there's 104 million in the bank. Um, you, you, apart from capex, we're pretty much net cash flow break even, give or take a million or so. So it's not we're not far off this. Um, I think the question is, you know, it, it really depends how fast and quicker we want to grow and invest in the business without having to go back into the red. Um, maybe Sean, you want to take that take that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just completely concur. Uh, every time we have uh, invested in ourselves, we've delivered, uh, and we're doing it again. We saw an opportunity with, with accelerating the top line growth through the indirect sales channel, and that's why we have invested in ourselves this time. We are very focused on bringing that uh, to fruition and, and reproving the operating model again, and, and getting back to that EBITDA positive and cash flow positive results. Um, but we've certainly no intention of milking the margins <laughs> and going out to pasture. So, uh, yeah, well, when when we see another opportunity, we'll, we will reinvest in growth. And whether that is kind of uh, expansion or technological innovation, uh, we will definitely be doing something. Okay, great. Um, and just the last one quickly from me is just around um, your in uh, your direct sales team. Um, it's one of the things that sort of occurred to me because the, the last quarter there was, it looked like a lot more of the incremental MRR came from channel. Um, and there's obviously lots of different timing things and you're a high growth company so there can just a lot of noise. But um, in terms of how you're incentivizing the sales team on MVE, which has 
probably more complex sales cycle versus the historical products. Like, is, is there any difference in how they're incentivized to sell? Um, you know, that that would be steering them to like focus a lot more on MBE in the short term or anything like that. Um, not no, not really. Right, it's more it's mainly focused on monthly recurring revenue. Now, obviously, that will shift very quickly as we bring more and more partners on and it's less reliant on say the megaport sales machine for delivering indirect sales right it's going to be about those partners bringing those sales which are are, are effectively commission-based um sales right uh, or you know sales-led um incentives uh, whereas you know or your own direct sales team or, or our direct sales team is going to be very much focused on the customers that we have plus growing their own customer base through a direct selling method which uh, they will continue it's just in this initial phase we've managed to get sales coming through from customers inbound inquiries about MBE and about uh, how we're selling and what we're doing so there is no we, we've spent a lot of time making sure there was no um there, there was no conflict between the direct and the indirect channels about where the revenue was coming from uh, and uh, I, I, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about that because that's usually where things go wrong. Um, but I think as we pivot more towards our partners selling more and more on the indirect and through the channel, there's a clear path for how that works, and there's no conflict between that and the pricing that we do versus what we may unearth as a customer um, through through Megaport. Okay, great, thank you. Everyone, there are no more questions currently in the queue. Um, okay, well, you know, look, uh, sorry, everybody, I'm in Ireland, it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, if, if there's no other questions, um, we will leave it at that. Um, obviously, we've quite a lot of meetings set up over the next two to three days. Um, but Sean and I are available to uh, take questions and go through more more detail um, over the coming days. But um, thank you very much for everybody um, joining the call uh, and for your questions and uh, feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.